0: Hello and welcome to the DC Drop. I'm Tom. And I'm Zach. We've got a little bit of news to catch up on here. Not a lot going on. That's why we're not talking as much. There's just not a lot of news. We're in a bit of a dry spell here. So we come when there is news, but we're also going to be talking about Batman Hush, the new animated movie that is out and a little bit about the comic book that it is based on. But first up, that news. Biggest thing is probably that Greg Fraser is going to be the cinematographer for the Batman, Matt Reeves movie, according to The Hollywood Reporter. In terms of cinematography, Fraser is known for Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Zero Dark 30. He's also worked on the upcoming Dune. He was also no- Oscar nominated for Lion back in 2016, and he is experienced with Matt Reeves as they worked together on 2010's Let Me In. Yeah, so his his
1: biggest known things for the Rogue One and Zero Dark 30. Those are both pretty dark, gritty movies with lots of pretty intense action stuff, and so I think that style and that aesthetic fits really well with the Batman uh, film. So yeah, I think he's a good choice. I, I liked both of those movies, especially the way they looked. So uh, I think he's a really good
0: choice to, uh, to pick up for Batman. Yeah. And I'm not a cinematography expert other than to say, well, that looked good or that maybe could have looked better. That's, that's the extent of my thing, but he's obviously got a really impressive resume familiar with Reeves. And like you said, some of his work lends itself to what we have heard about Reeves pertaining to what he wants to do with Batman so not surprisingly not surprising anywhere there there have been previous erroneous reports that three-time Academy Award winner Robert Richardson was attached but it turns out he was actually involved when Ben Affleck was going to direct the Batman and he's never actually met Matt Reeves so that news was out there but that is not true but he did say Richardson did say he would like to work on Batman or Superman at one point uh, but obviously that's not going to be the case with the Batman yeah in Aquaman news, kind of, the sequel to Aquaman is expected to enter pre-production sometime in 2020. So news came out that director James Wan is working on an untitled horror film for a new line that is going to film late this year, fall of 2019, and release in 2020. But the, the main point there is that, coming out from that, is that it's expected 2020 pre-production for Aquaman. Still no comp- official confirmation that Wan is going to direct, but I mean, I think everyone expects that. You and I both do. And Aquaman is dated for December 16th, 2022, so that it makes sense that Juan wants to work on a smaller film and then get back to doing Aquaman. Yeah, none none of this is surprising. We talked about how James Wan wanted to work on something
1: different, something small, um, and how we both thought that it was probably going to be a horror movie because that's what he he likes and is familiar with. And those tend to be pretty quick um, productions. Not that they're easy, but they, they tend to be smaller budgets, smaller scale So they can uh, finish them up quicker. So this makes total sense. And yeah, it would be kind of weird for him not to direct Aquaman 2. So even though we haven't gotten official confirmation on that, I would would err towards that side until we hear something different. Uh, Next up, Joker is going to be able to be seen uh, a little earlier than the wide release. It's going to debut at a couple festivals before that. So um, the Venice Film Festival between August 28th and September 7th, it's going to show there. And then it's also going to be at the Toronto Film Festival, which is... September 5th through
0: 15th um, so those are both pretty well before uh, the wide release which is going to be october 4th yeah and potentially an opportunity you know assuming this film is well received to build some buzz among critics and and that kind of thing well before the film comes out and that seems to be a sign of confidence that you know if you're gonna put it out there and potentially put reviews out there a month plus in advance I mean there's obviously a potential risk for spoilers if that comes out there but it's usually a sign you're pretty confident in the film you wouldn't want to get negative buzz out a month before so um if you're looking for forward to joker i think this is encouraging news yeah
1: like you said uh, it does show confidence and this is getting way ahead of ourselves but it would be crazy if this movie like won oscars because most of a lot of the films that win oscars end up having premieres at these kind of film festivals and are in those that sort of circle of movie makers and films Uh, so obviously this isn't saying that it's going to win the oscars or that it should or anything like that but This is definitely a step that a lot of
0: movies take in order to win an Oscar. Yeah, I'm guessing Warner Brothers wants to at least build critical and maybe even awards buzz. Yeah, way ahead of ourselves there, but um, we shall see.
1: Next up, we also got some small nuggets of news for New Gods. So Ava DuVernay has seemingly confirmed that Darkseid and the female Furies are going to uh, be in New Gods. On Twitter, they she she did basically like an ask me anything and people were sending her t- Twitter questions and somebody asked this female Fury's going to be in it. And she's like, well, duh, I love Barta. Of course they're going to be in there. And then someone also asked about dark side. And I think she just said dark side is, and that was the whole
0: response. Yeah. Uh, dark side is one of the most important people in a new God's film. Maybe I would say second only to like who I would want to see in Orion. I think if you're going to be dark side, he might not be the big bad, I would mm-hmm. I would be fine with him being the big bad, but you would think maybe they're thinking in terms of a series of films and you build up to him being the big bad in the third film or whatever, but you want Dark Side involved, he's too important to that. And the female Furies, again, not shocking. And if you're doing a hopefully a series of new gods films, like one would one would want they're they're gonna need to show up at some point. Uh if I have one little worry, it's maybe that they're gonna focus I mean this tends to be tends to suggest they're gonna lead heavily on the Barda and yeah, Mr. Miracle, Scott Free side of things, and and involving the Female Furies and Granny Goodness, and that's all great and all stuff I want to see. I hope they can balance that with the Orion and Dark Side stuff, which to me is kind of the core of the New Gods stuff. So I hope they're they're able to work all of those in and and all those great awesome characters and work them together in a compelling narrative.
1: Yeah, it is a hard balance to strike too, like especially for someone like you who is very well versed in fourth world stuff and then the fact that this is outside of people who like that this it's not a fairly well-known dc property not a lot of people know the the history of the story of the fourth world new god stuff and so there's a ton to draw from so if they did want to focus on something i think the majority of the audience wouldn't really have that tight of a connection to the that the whole story and everything so they would just be like wow this is really cool stuff in space so um yeah it'd be interesting to see if they do focus more on the on the Barta side of it, and um,
0: decide to go that way. I think they could still make a, a pretty successful film that way. Yeah, there's a lot of compelling stuff there with Scott Free trying to escape the fire pits of apocalypse, and Barta helping him do that while also working against her teammates, or co-furies. And, yeah. Granny Goodness is not someone you want to be on the wrong side of. So, there's a lot of compelling stuff there. But yeah, I, w- I want to see. i I'm. I'm, I'm I want to see all of that stuff. All of the fourth world goodness and this is one part of it so
1: yeah uh but co-writer Tom King did talk to Screen Rant at uh, Comic-Con and he said that he and duvernay have assembled a team of Jack Kirby experts so presumably that is so that they can make sure they have all the fourth world knowledge that they need to to build out these films and well film and maybe films and world
0: yeah i did i don't think i've got my i can't say if i've got my invitation no i did not oh, get yeah. an invitation <laughs> but uh as long as Walt Simonson is there who did a great run on Orion around 2000 for a couple of years, uh, the best non-Jack Kirby Fourth World stuff in my opinion. As long as he's involved, I I could probably be happy. Mark Evanier, Evanier, who is a longtime comic book writer and Jack Kirby's assistant while working on the Fourth World stuff at DC. Those two are really good experts on Jack Kirby's fourth world. So I hope they're included, but there's, we have no idea who this is, but I think this is smart to reach out. I'm hopeful hopefully to some comic book experts. And how do you construct uh take all this, all these great, big, awesome ideas and tell a story in a two-ish hour movie. Yeah. That's really cool that they're doing that. In animation, we knew for a while, the death of Superman and the reign of the Superman animated movies were going to be combined and they will be called the death and return of Superman not very surprising it's going to release october 1st there is going to be some new footage but we don't know how much i'm guessing not very much because combined they will be 166 minutes and if you just add up death and rain together it's 168 minutes so that seems like less time but i'm assuming some of the credits and stuff can be condensed and you don't have to credit some people twice so there will be some new footage i don't know how much but there's going to be new bonus features and available on 4k blu-ray and digital there's a special edition where you can get a Don Henry Iron Steel minifigure and a cool thing about that some 4k versions I think this is the gift set I don't know if this is going to be in all the 4k versions but there's going to be a bonus disc of Superman Doomsday on 4k for the first time the original Death of Superman animated film the first uh, really DC animated original movie that they did is going to be on 4k for the first time so pretty cool set and I'm excited to see these two films put together into one seamless movie and, and see what that looks like
1: yeah me too these were these are two really good movies and they work obviously they work really well together because it's just two halves of the same story um and correct me if i'm wrong. they did already release like both of these or they played them back to back at like a Fandango special event
0: once but it didn't have the the bonus footage did it right those were just the two separate films with a brief intermission in between so they weren't one seamless cut with new footage
1: yeah cool Uh, small little piece of news good news if you're a lucifer fan Uh, netflix has expanded their order for the fifth and final season in that show from 10 episodes to 16 so they get a little more time to
0: tell that the rest of the story that they went to yeah that's good they should have plenty of time now to finish the story how they wanted to uh, with 16 episodes instead of 10 i think that's really cool and i like this trend uh i zombies series finale was just this past week they knew in advance the final season i think you can do cool things with that obviously arrow knows that Fortunately, Swamp Thing, another series finale from this week, did not know that, but I'm glad Lucifer's getting the chance to end how they want. On to some Watchmen news that has come out at the summer TCAs. Robert Redford is going to be playing President Robert Redford in Watchmen. So, apparently, in the world of Watchmen, the TV series, Nixon was reelected again in 88, passed away in office, and Gerald Ford took over. And then Redford won the 1992 election and has remained president ever since up until present day because there are not term limits as of present day in the Watchmen world uh fun thing here redford running for president was teased back in watchman number 12 if you remember at the very end there uh that was mentioned so it's cool to see they're bringing this in robert redford i think is retired from acting once or twice yeah. but i guess this is something to pull him back in to to do some more acting
1: yeah i i mean this is really awesome that they got him to agree to do this like for one thing like you said he's retired but also if you're going to have a, a real life person in a show, it's such a like baller move to have that person actually play that person on the show. So that's that's really cool. I, I don't think he had to go through a lot of um, auditions or casting reviews, probably to get the part. I think they're like, yeah, you make a believable Robert Redford. Um, that was a dumb joke. But anyways, yeah, this is this is really cool. And a nice little nod to um, a continuation of that little note from the Watchman issue, the original
0: comic Right, and Redford didn't have to do his, you know, some, like the Nixon actor who had yeah. to get the, the Nixon nose from the Watchmen movie or anything like that. Redford should look about like what you would expect Robert Redford to look like in 2019.
1: Next up, uh, Elizabeth Bitsy Tulloch is going to return and in her role as Lois Lane for Crisis on Infinite Earths, according to Entertainment Weekly. No word yet on the number of episodes that she's going to appear in. Um, and also, if you remember from the last crossover, she was pregnant and had a child, so um, they said the Lois and Clark's child is also going to be introduced, but they they didn't give a name to it yet, but possibly it's John Kent.
0: Yeah. You got to think the kid, if she was a few months pregnant as of Elseworlds, if this is in real time, the kid's probably about six months old or so. And yeah. I don't know if she's back on argo how they're going to do that, how they're going to bring that in. But I mean, you would think it would be John Kent there where there's a baby in crisis that ages rapidly, not the child of Lois and Clark. I'm guessing that's not what they do, but John Kent is so popular and huge. I don't know if they're going to introduce him here or how that would fit in or why they would be doing that, Uh, but this could be a cool piece of Superman mythology brought to live action. Yeah. Other tiny bit of news on Crisis, the crossover episode of Arrow. Crisis will be the eighth episode of season eight. So presumably before the winter break there, before the mid part where there will be three episodes in December and two in January. So that means there will be two episodes of Arrow after Crisis. And both will be directed by James Vanford. So I'm wondering if that's going to be a two-part finale in January post-crisis. Uh, I don't know, but assuming Oliver Queen does die uh, in crisis, as all have been led to believe, all signs point to that, including exact dialogue from the show. I wonder how they're going to do that two-part finale, if Oliver, how Oliver will be involved or, or what it will do. I don't think they're going to do the final two episodes without Stephen Amell. So I wonder how they're going to handle all that.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. They... They obviously have some sort of some sort of plan, but uh, I'm kind of glad that it's this seems like a a strange way to do it and makes it so you can't really predict what's going to happen, which is a good thing, I think for me, at least. But to not know what's coming, I think it
0: adds some mystery to it. Yeah. And if, if Oliver does die in crisis, I think that's a huge event to happen in crisis. But then with Arrow having extra episodes after people can probably deal with that in Arrow. And so it can get the important focus that they might not have time to do in crisis.
1: Yeah. And that's something that I think that the crossover has um, suffered with in the past is there'll be really big events and they tried to just deal with it in the crossover, which means it ends up getting like, you know, five minutes of screen time. Whereas especially something this big, yeah. Having two episodes to deal with that
0: afterwards would be really nice. Yeah. You, and I think that was handled well in Crisis on Earth X where they addressed it, addressed Martin Stein's death. And yeah. then the next episode of Legends was more about that, where you could go into that deeper. So, all right, that's it in terms of news. Let's talk about Batman Hush. The animated movie is out now. Do you want to go? How should we do this? Let's go non-spoilers, Zach. What did you overall think about the animated movie? Yeah, so I guess I'll, I'll start
1: first, just saying that like Batman Hush is my one of my favorite comics of all time, and definitely my favorite Batman comic of all time. And so I had probably I would call it um, unattainable expectations going into it, um, like basically wanting it to be a, a perfect shot-for-shot adaptation. And that's not what this movie is. Um, It it is fairly faithful in a lot of ways to the original comic, um, but then strays away in other ways. But overall, as a addition to the Batman story in this new animated movie universe that we're dealing with, it's a really good movie, a really solid movie that is very interesting and gives us a really good look at some of these characters that we haven't spent a ton of time with. So overall, I I did end up liking it quite a bit, uh, quite a bit as its own movie, but not so
0: much as an adaptation of Hush. Good points there, and I I like Hush as well, the comic. I don't, I'm not, I wouldn't put it among my favorites of all times, but I do think it is very good and, and a very well done comic. And I think this is also a very well done movie. It does stray in some parts. Some of those things are understandable. Some I might not like as much, but overall, it's a really fun, entertaining animated movie. It shows the fun. You know, I've, I've, we've talked in the past how much Batman animation there's been the last couple of years and I felt a little burnout on it, even though, you know, Batman's great. I didn't feel that with this at all. I had a lot of fun with it and it's what it does well in terms of taking from the Hush storyline is that this is kind of just a fun adventure with Batman. Yes, there's death and violence and all that kind of things, but it's, it's a more lighthearted is not the right word, but it is a good look at the Batman Catwoman relationship and just a fun look into the world of Batman. All these cool, colorful characters—you can have a little bit of fun with them sometimes. And that was—I uh, think—that was something that the animated movie did really well. Yeah. So let's get into spoilers here. Like you said, you're a big fan of the comic. That was 12 issues back in 2002, by written by Jeff Loeb with art by Jim Lee. Some really excellent art and writing, of course, in there.
1: Yeah. So it's a lot of iconic uh, artwork of Batman comes from this this arc. Um, and it's, it's got some unique things in it where it's, it's heavily narrated by Batman. So we get to hear his thoughts a lot. Um, and so all his, all the different dialogues are like presented in different visual styles, which makes it easy to, to separate. And then there's also the, the very different like painted style of flashbacks between Batman and Thomas Elliot as children, which um, gets to cover a lot of Batman history um, both as a child, but then we also cover a lot of Batman history. of This is I always tell people this is a good comic to read if you didn't read a bunch of Batman going into it, because it kind of covers some of the big events in the history of Batman that are canon at that point. So you get to learn, a, you know, about Jason Todd um, and the different Robins. You get to learn a lot about
0: that and the the history of Batman. So those are really good th- things that I think this comic did really well. Yeah, and those. That narration is something that can work really well in comic book forms, but sometimes it's it's just not as frequently done in animation. And it, it, like you said, it is really well done in terms of getting you up to speed, getting you everything you need to know. So many characters, and yet, even if you hadn't been reading the ongoing Batman comic at the time, the last few years before that, you should be able to figure it out pretty easily. Yeah.
1: And then something else that this comic does that a lot of comics do is bring in a ton, a ton of characters. I mean, Crypto the Superdog is in this, if that tells you anything about the, the depth of characters that they pull from. Um, and there's also some really kind of intense moments, like there's a fight with Joker where Batman almost kills him and has to get pulled off. And that's we see that in the movie. It's kind of presented a little bit differently, but um, there's a lot of Batman kind of wrestling with the demons that have plagued him for a long time. Um, especially Jason Todd, which we see gets brought back at the end. And this, uh, this is a good segue into maybe some of the the things that people don't like about Hush. And probably some of the valid criticism is that it is very convoluted and kind of at the end, it's a messy ending kind of, and you don't really know, like you never actually find out who Hush is for certain, because he drowns before they take his mask off. You have a good idea of who it is. And They say Jason Todd is Clayface, but then later they retconned it and said it's actually Jason Todd. But then he ran away and then turned into Clayface or Clayface turned into him and then came back. And so there's a lot of confusing things, which I think the movie handles really well. It makes makes those things a lot clearer and makes it a lot cleaner storyline. But yeah, those are
0: just some of the the things that have changed from the comic. Yeah. And that's one of the bigger parts other than uh, a big part at the end is that. The differences in, in continuity with this DC animated universe versus what was going on in Batman right. in the post-crisis world at the time. Some of the bigger things, Damian Wayne wasn't even didn't even exist yet. I mean, realistically, he was probably hanging out with Talia al Ghul somewhere, but he was it wasn't created till 2006. Uh, Jason Todd was uh, has not been referenced. I don't even think in this universe he was dead at the time, and this was the first hint. The comic was the first hint that he was. Maybe not dead because his grave was empty or at least someone had taken him. He still didn't wasn't introduced as Red Hood for a while. And so they left that part out. I think that's smart to leave out anything with Jason Todd because the only reason to introduce him that way would be if you're going to do a Red Hood adaptation, which they already did outside of the universe. But I don't think they're going to do it again in universe. So I think that makes sense to leave out. This movie was directed by Justin Copeland, written by Ernie Altbacker couple of veterans of DC animation, Jason O'Mara returns as Bruce Wayne Batman, I think the 10th time in this universe. Jennifer Morrison debuts as Selina Kyle Catwoman, and that is the first time we have seen those characters in this universe. I liked how they brought that. Bruce and Selina had a relationship before or knew of each other, and Catwoman was well known because this is an established Batman and, and a lot is going on. I'm glad that they established that Catwoman had been around for a while, even if we hadn't seen that yet. Yeah, like you said, that's that was one of my biggest praises of this movie
1: is the way that it handled Catwoman. Well, for one thing, Jennifer Morrison did a great job as Selena Kyle slash Catwoman. I think that was a really good casting choice. But yeah, the the introduction of her character and then how believable her relationship with Batman and Bruce Wayne both ways and then um just all their interactions that they had throughout the throughout the movie and then how it's kind of the center Uh, that's the central relationship that kind of drives the story forward
0: and and brings it to an end. Um, I think they handled that really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. I think at its core, yeah, there's a lot going on, but at its core, I think Hush is a love story between Bruce Wayne and Selina Kyle. I think that's the real core of it. That's the thread that holds everything together. And in this movie, even when a bunch of characters, villains, and everything come and go, that's the thread that is tying everything together in this movie as well. And like you said, I think Jennifer Morrison did a good job. She's not someone I would have thought of, but I think instantly she kind of has the sass, I guess, of Selena Kyle that you would think uh, the sarcastic wit, all that kind of stuff that comes with the character is good there. Um, In terms of all the villains and, you know, there's a lot of changes and things like that. How did you think they handled all of those those villains? Did you think they did a good job of bringing that in?
1: Yeah, I I think they still handled it. Well, even though, you know, they swapped some stuff like Bane instead of Killer Croc. Batgirl comes and helps instead of Huntress while she's not a villain. Um, But yeah, like the big things, Poison Ivy's still there and she still controls Superman. Like that is one of the coolest parts of Hush. And so that is almost exactly the same from the comic book, which is really cool to see. But a lot of the, the smaller characters like Killer Croc, I'm okay with not seeing them with having them swapped with somebody else because the main story beats are still there and that's what's most important is that this mysterious hush figure is behind it all and kind of like controlling the pieces of
0: of these different uh criminals. So, yeah, I still I think they handled it pretty well. Yeah, like you said, a lot of the big beats are the same throughout there even if some villains are changed or here and there or some characters are changed here and there. I think they get the big beats. Um there's the cool Batman versus Superman fight and I'm not some I'm I'm kind of not needing to see batman and superman really fight but with mind control and things here it worked well and it's cool to see batman and superman that that brief stint in the middle there it's cool to see batman and superman have that respect these are two guys who have known each other for a while and business partners and i loved seeing jerry o'connell and rebecca romaine as lois and clark their chemistry and the daily planet there that was a lot of fun uh seeing that mixed in in their stint in the middle yeah, and it it does work really well in this universe
1: with uh, the setup that they've they've done for Superman and Lois. So yeah, it's it fits
0: in really well. There's so, no um, Talia would, here because yeah, no Talia here, um, which is one thing. Although Damien does get a reference to his his mother. There tells Bruce to cover his drinks because you never know when someone like Talia is going to be around. Yeah, uh, in the comics of the time, Lex is no had given up interest in LexCorp because he was actually president. And it was the end of Hush that led into the Superman-Batman comic, where was the end of the president Lex storyline. But in this, obviously, this picks up from Reign of the Superman, where he is kind of a probationary, probationary member of the Justice League. And so Batman sneaks in there to talk to Lex.
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a big part, like a really, really small part in this. But it's nice to to tie that in with the this universe. because, And it, again, is another
0: change that made sense. Yeah, I thought that was seamlessly handled the way a lot of the, the in-universe stuff worked out well. Yeah, no yeah. Crypto to Superdog, which helped take down Poison Ivy. <laughs> Jeff Loeb is a big fan of Silver Age stuff like Crypto the Superdog. And I guess uh, that might not have fit as well in with what the creators were trying to do here. Yeah, I mean, even
1: in the original comic, it seems way out of place because it's a goofy character in this very, very serious story. But uh, so, no, I was not surprised to not see any Crypto. Uh, what did you think of Jason Spazak as Joker? He He's played Wally West and Young Justice before.
0: Um, but this is his first time voicing Joker, I believe. Yeah, I think so. I wouldn't have, have known it was him, but, uh, without looking it up, I thought it did pretty good, but it's, we only get to see, you know, he gets a brief stint in the middle and then more of a, a little bit more at the end there. So I not enough to judge on, but I think he could do a good job. I think, I think I need to hear more. I just wasn't quite used to it.
1: Yeah. I, I wasn't really impressed with his voice. I I've heard so many different jokers now. It's hard to like compare them all. Um, but this, as far as the, the parade of jokers goes, this one, I don't think would be top, top of my list or in the top half probably. But like you said, we didn't get to hear a whole lot of him, but he kind of just sounded like a normal person without,
0: without having too much of that, uh, joker style. Yeah. I think, I think he's someone I would like more. Cause I, I did see signs of a good joker there and we just need to see a little bit more of that develop. But, uh, uh, let's talk about the big ending difference here. The biggest change here is Thomas Elliot is pretty much useless. What they did similar to yeah. Gotham by Gaslight, because this is a mystery story, they didn't want you to, even though they were adapting a comic, they didn't want you to know who the, how it would end, I guess. So they switched around some things there. And so Tommy Elliot dies in the middle and he actually dies whereas in the comic that was a, a fake death and he went on to to cause more trouble later.
1: Yeah. So that there's a couple different things from that one, because of that there, they keep the fight with Joker where Batman almost kills him and Gordon has to come and talk him down. Um, which in the movie doesn't seem like, I don't know, we, we haven't spent as much time with Batman, like him struggling with all the past and the people he's lost. And this is one more person he has lost because of Joker. And so it, it seems kind of weird that he's like literally about to kill him. So that part's kind of strange, doesn't work as well. And then, yeah, the I think that's the part that I missed the most from the comic is that they had all those flashbacks. They set up all of this history with Thomas Elliott. You got to know him. So his death meant a little bit more and then also added a lot of clues and misdirection um, as to who Hush was. So that, that part was a bit disappointing. So the ending of finding out that Riddler is Hush doesn't have as much of a much of a. Um, yeah, it doesn't have as much of a kick as Emotional the resonance. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think it was smart to, if you're going to have Tommy Elliot just be a, kind of a weird, goofy guy and then die in the middle and not actually be revealed later, then it makes sense to cut out all those flashbacks and stuff. And that's one thing the comic does really well, is those flashbacks do add a lot to, even though here's this new character and Batman's been around forever and you're like, oh, here's this new character we didn't know about who's his friend. Yeah. I think the comic does a pretty well, good, good job of bringing that in and making you believe that that Bruce and Tommy were friends back in their younger days. But by cutting those out, yeah, the death does not have as much of an impact. So it's kind of when he gets upset with Joker, it's kind of like, well, maybe just calm down a little bit, guy. Yeah. But yeah, they, they really lay heavy on the Riddler. I'm surprised with all the C-lister jokes because Riddler yeah. is, <laughs> uh, I don't know, is he second maybe to me He's among Batman villains. Um, he, I mean, he would think he's one of the more well-knowns, even though we haven't seen a ton of him recently and stuff. I think he's a great character. So, uh, the sea lister jokes were a bit much, but I guess in this universe, you could say that, um, and what'd you think of the whole ending with Riddler?
1: So, yeah, this, this is the part is, even though I'm disappointed that they didn't handle Thomas Elliott the same way as he did in the comic, this is the part that does make sense where, so they go to the graveyard and it, it's Thomas, Thomas Elliott's empty grave and, you know, he really is dead. And we... We find out with a good chunk amount of time left that Riddler is Hush. He's the one behind all of this. Whereas in the comic, it's kind of messy, messy because like I said, you don't you don't really know who Hush is, but you still find out that Riddler was behind all of it and he had partnered with Hush to cause all of this. So just kind of collapsing that and combining it makes the story a lot clearer with less confusion. So that part does make sense. Um, it just it doesn't
0: play as much of a big mystery as it did in the comic, which is OK, I think. Yeah. and. It kind of makes sense for Riddler to be get a chance to be the big bad rather than a new character we don't really know. Um, so I'm a little split on it. I think I, I think with it being an adaptation, I probably would have liked if they had stuck to the original, but I understand wanting to keep that mystery going and all of that. So I'm a little split on it, but I think overall, you know, that was really. I mean, it kept a bit of a mystery going the first time, and I think it was fun action and everything going on there. Good drama, and it ends, of course, with Catwoman. Letting Riddler fall to die, and then Batman has his code, and they can't be together for this. And like I said, this is really just a romance story. It is two people who work together or who are colleagues, but also interested on a personal level, and they're letting their work differences get in between their their personal lives, kind of. Yeah,
1: and with the way that they took the story, this is a a better way to have Cat Catwoman and Batman part ways because in the comic they part ways because she says the word hush and Batman is so paranoid and like crazy that he thinks that she's involved in somehow and pushes her away. So this makes more sense. Um, but yeah, like you said, that it really drives home the the point that this story is really about their relationship. And so I thought it was a really good way to end it and has made me very, very interested to see how Catwoman and Batman, I want to see more of them in this universe going forward. So I think they, they did their job well then.
0: Yeah. And I'll I'll say in the comic, I think it was more her saying hush and Batman paused. Yeah. <laughs> I, he didn't really think she was involved, but he realized he couldn't trust her. You know, that was a sign she couldn't he couldn't trust her. And so uh and he realized he probably never could and that was their problem at the time. So yeah, I, I think this was again a really fun way to show a bunch of Batman characters, a bunch of Batman villains along with Batman. Uh Nightwing's in it. Nightwing's good throughout. We didn't get to really mention him but a good look into Gotham in the Batman world, very entertaining. And like you said, I want to see where things go from here with Batman Catwoman and the rest of, of everything that's going on in the Gotham part of this universe.
1: Yeah, I think I'd give it, you know, an a as a a movie in the DC animated movie universe, and maybe like a B minus as an adaptation of hush. So overall it's a really good movie and it, it does its job in telling a good, interesting story with some mystery and, introducing a new character and at the same time making me want to know a lot more about that character Catwoman. um so i think i think they did a really good job with it
0: yeah, agreed there all right that's all we've got for today thanks for listening and we'll be back soon